What's up, everybody? Episode 45 of the Go Figure Podcast. We are live, and I hope everybody had a fantastic, marvelous 4th of July. Uh, in fact, uh, for the special holiday, Ty and his family are actually up north in Island Park, beautiful Island Park, not far from Yellowstone, right there on the border of Idaho and Wyoming. So he and the family are hanging out there. Uh, my four kids and I, we hit Indiana Jones, which was fun yesterday. And of course, our fifth is in Santos, Brazil on his church mission. And, uh, you know, probably not celebrating the 4th of July you know, too much because they don't even know what that is. Welcome to the Go Figure Podcast, created for parents and business owners who want to get their money right. My name's Leo Cannell. As a husband and father of five, I've been fortunate to create two eight-figure businesses in the fintech space. This podcast will share the values, principles, strategies, tools, and tactics that have helped us to build a fintech empire and provide an epic life for our family. Having been a parent and entrepreneur for 20 years, there's a lot I don't know. There's been a lot of failure. The good news is together, we'll find solutions to creating an epic life powered by a business that we love. So there you go. Our headline today, and this is going to be a very important episode because a lot of people ask, is the American dream alive? What is the American dream? How can I live the American dream? I want to be a business owner. How does the American dream even apply? What are the keys to success? So we're going to unpack the keys to living the American dream in 2023. What does it take to live the American dream? Is it alive? There's a lot of negative naysayers out there who probably never even lived outside our country who will talk all sorts of crap and say the American dream is dead. And, you know, just the whole victim mentality that we see a lot in 2023, which always makes me want to vomit. So we're going to talk about that. Topic number two is why immigrants understand the American dream better than most U.S.-born native residents, which is always very unfortunate that these native-born U.S. folks, you know, us who are born in the U.S., don't seem to understand the opportunity that we have to create this amazing life. And when you live outside this country, it becomes real damn clear the opportunities we have. And speaking of freedom, if you guys have not seen The Sound of Freedom, this is a movie with Jim Caviezel that came out uh, about the story of Tim Ballard, but less about him and more about uh, these children across the world that are part of the human trafficking ring that uh, continues to be a multi-billion dollar uh, issue out there. There's there's a lot of children that are put into these uh, sex trafficking uh, business models, which are just need to be shut down and those people all taken and, and uh, you know, basically eliminated. In one shape or form, YouTube, I don't know if you like that, but uh, that's what's going on. And our fourth topic is going to be why you should read Michael Jordan's biography. In fact, I just was uh, underwriting some files and I finished the biography. I think it was, it was long. I think it was 25 hours that I listened to. Great book, well put together. And we're going to talk a little bit about what it is about that MJ mindset. And it's funny, I remember it uh, brought back memories of his Hall of Fame speech and boy, it was interesting because his Hall of Fame speech, a lot of people didn't actually know uh, what Michael Jordan was really like outside of the limelight, outside of the persona that he put on you know, all the Nike commercials. And so most people were shocked that he would talk that way and that he was such a hard ass. But that's why he was who he was. And if you understand what it takes to be a champion, 
you would understand that. So let's start with topic number one, how to live the American dream in 2023. Now, there's a recent GoDaddy survey, and they ask about a 1,000 small business owners, because we love small business owners, and GoDaddy-like you know, so many surveyors out there know, listen, if you want to define the American dream, why not ask a United States business owner, a small business owner, about their ideas of the American dream? So in this survey, here's a, here's a few of the, the things that they talked about with the American dream, according to small business owners in the U.S., and this was a recent survey. 54% said the American dream is to feel happy about your life in your life, like you're pretty satisfied, you're you're excited, you're grateful, like you know where you've been and and you've been on this journey, and, and so you're just you're just feeling happy in life. Fifty four percent said that's really what the American dream is. Forty nine percent said it's it's about freedom. It's about the freedom to follow my passions. You know, do what I want to do. Maybe it's uh, maybe there's some freedom of time. Maybe some freedom to travel. Freedom to do things with your family. 49% said that's the American dream. Uh, 56% said that you have to achieve some sort of wealth and financial freedom if you're going to live the American dream. So that's what uh, a good per portion of people said. A smaller percentage than uh, what was typically known as the American dream said owning a home is still a big part of the American dream. That's 45%. And 62% said they are confident that they will achieve their goals to live the American dream in their lifetime. And so that's what they said. And so it's very interesting. As you look at the American dream, going back a few a few decades, maybe a few hundred years ago, the American dream in, let's call it the 18th century, you know, right as the Declaration of Independence is happening, July 4, 1776, from putting together this constitution, most people left Europe and came to the United States, America before it was the United States, and they came for this dream of land ownership because in Europe all the land had been divvied up and you couldn't really get you know a lot of your own land it was very very difficult very expensive to do so and for most people there was a, a small percentage of landowners let's call them you know counts let's call them noblemen especially in France and England and, and Germany and a lot of these you know uh, countries where there had been people there for you know thousands of years that had inhabited these, and so there was a lot of fighting that would go on, and ultimately the the very wealthy, the landowners, controlled everything, and then everyone else was renting, paying rent, and they would uh, farm the land and get to keep some of their earnings, and then they would pay the other profits, some taxes, if you will, to the landowners, and so everybody left. Europe came over here to the U.S. and they did it because they wanted to become landowners. They wanted to have this dream of being able to farm their own land with on their own terms and have this thing called freedom, which just didn't exist in most parts of the world. And that's what made America and this America dream so unique. It wasn't just you know the the land, the location, etc. It really was that it was this new. Uh, new way of living, this new ideology that you could own and have your own thing, do your own thing, have some freedom, 
and be able to control your land and your destiny. And so a lot of people that came over here in the 1700s and the 1800s, even the early 1900s, that was the dream that they were buying into. And in the 1800s, as the U.S. expanded from the 13 calls on the East Coast, they came over here west. Like That's what people were excited about, getting your own land and farming it, et cetera, et cetera. At some point, this transitioned, I think, in the 20th century, in the 1900s, and really, at this point, people start to think less about owning their own land. And instead, you know, there's this industrial revolution and people working at factories. And you could work at a big business and then you would buy your own home. Land would come with it, but it was more about the home and less about farming the land. The land and the lots were much smaller, but you could own your own home and work at that uh, that company that that manufacturing industrial type location there in that business you could work there for a while get a pension retire and that was kind of the american dream i think for a lot of people and i think as you fast forward to 2023 so we started with land you know we went to being able to retire and own your own home as part of the american dream and i think it's it, throughout all of this there's been this recurring theme that the ultimate american dream was and is to own a business, to have your own business, the freedom to decide when you work, where you work, with whom you work, who you want to serve, et cetera, et cetera. And, and that's really today's American dream, having your own business, becoming an entrepreneur and creating a product or service that improves the world, that gives you the opportunity for what they call upward mobility, where you can become wealthy, financially independent, and have the ability to travel you know, run your schedule, spend time with your family, do things on your own terms. And that's really what the American dream is, I think, in 2023. So in this article, uh, here's a quote from it. It says, American small business owners are thinking beyond revenue and sales growth when they consider what the American dream means to them. Howard said in a statement last week, today it's more about feeling a sense of belonging, freedom, happiness, and work-life balance. All very good things, et cetera, et cetera. So how do you live the American dream in 2023? And I think, again, it does come down to becoming a business owner. Again, I'll, I'll always remember you know, when I was in my second or third year of college at the University of Utah, when a guy came in and said, hey, if you don't have experience, you can't get a job. And that summer, I went and I knocked doors in Park City and Bountiful here in Utah, and I started this painting business. I didn't know anything about it. But that was my first taste of entrepreneurship and being a business owner. And I thought, damn, I think I'd much rather be a business owner and work 80 hours, and I was working a lot of hours. I'd rather work 80 hours a week for myself than 40 hours a week for someone else. And that was kind of what I bought into. And, and some people just aren't, uh, just don't do well with authority. That, that was me as well. So for everyone out there, for you, you're a business owner or you're wanting to become one. Maybe you still, I always imagine the guy that I'm serving, my dream client is, is Bob. Bob is 35 years old. He's got two kids. You know, uh, he and his wife don't love their jobs that they that they work at. They want to build a better life for their kids. They want to move up to a better zip code. And they know the only way they can do that is to start their own business. And they're, so they're trying to figure out what can they become an expert at, what product or service can they offer. And in today's American dream, Bob knows he has to become an expert at something and create a unique product with a competitive advantage that's better than the competition out there. And he can start it 
at, you know, as a side hustle with his wife, and together they can build this business, eventually be able to quit their jobs, run their business, create jobs for other people. And that's always what I you know, imagine my dream client being, his name being Bob, of course. And so you're out there. What is the process for you to live the American dream? Well, it does start with becoming an expert. You can't begin to create a unique product or service until you understand the dynamics of a marketplace and until you can become an expert in that marketplace. And so there's so many different opportunities to do that. Uh, tomorrow, I'm going to fly out to an event in uh, Columbus, Ohio. I don't think I've ever been to Columbus. I did get uh, stranded uh, from an event in Rhode Island trying to get home to Utah a couple months ago in Cleveland. So I have been to Ohio, but have not been to Columbus yet. And so going to be heading out to Columbus. This is going to be an e-commerce event where this group teaches and creates this community to teach people how to create an e-commerce business. And of course, in e-commerce, it's very much a product-based business. It's about getting inventory. That's a, that's a space that has unique opportunity. I was speaking with a client uh, just a couple days ago, and she said, you know what? Um, you know, we live out in the country in Texas here, there's a lot of cowboys, a lot of horses, etc. And I'm noticing there's not a lot of the products that we actually need for our country lifestyle and for horses and being a cowboy, that type of thing. And, you know, obviously a lot of you have probably watched Yellowstone and there's this new found momentum about that life and how beautiful it can be. And obviously it's not all fun and games. It's It's a very difficult life in some regards, but she identified, hey, this is a a market that's underserved, and I can create better products on Amazon for our type of people who are looking for something like that. And that's the opportunity that's out there for anybody, whether it's in e-commerce, whether it's in learn. If you're an, it's becoming about becoming an expert. So if you become an expert in marketing, then there's always going to be a place for you to start a business to do marketing. That's a recession-proof skill set to be able to bring clients and customers in the door. Technology is another you know, very recession-proof space that you can create a business in and serve you know, people with technology needs, whether if you're a great coder or engineer, and I mean software engineer, to create softwares and different online products, that's something that's always going to be in need. So in today's American dream, it's becoming an expert, creating a product or service that you can do better in a unique, different way than the competition out there, and follow this blue ocean strategy. And this is a great book. There's uh, they were these guys who are recently on a podcast, and they wrote this book, oh, I think almost 20 years ago, but it was basically the idea is don't just incrementally improve something a little bit and basically compete and commoditize whatever the product is, but actually go out there and create something truly unique, truly better in a blue ocean instead of a, a bloody, you know, the sharks are all fighting over the same thing and the commodity. Once your market becomes commoditized, then it's just a race to the bottom. There's no profit margins, et cetera, et cetera. And so that's what it's all about is creating a better product. So for example, we had the you know, we had the cell phone market out there in the 2000s and we had flip phones and we had all these different types of phones and there was some technology, there was some texting going on with them and you could kind of open different websites up and URLs with these phones at the time. And then 
Apple and Steve Jobs came out with something way better, right? They came out with the iPhone, and the smartphone was a blue ocean strategy that absolutely obliterated the competition because you could have all your music, you could have videos, and then you all of a sudden you could do anything online that you wanted to on your cell phone. And that is the blue ocean strategy is making something so much better that delivers so much more value than the competition out there that you're going to dominate. Uh, another example is there's uh, a lot of you are probably familiar with uh, Benihana's, right? Benihana's is this uh, this Japanese steakhouse and they throw the shrimp in your mouth and they, they cook it on a grill in front of you. And Benihana's is... Uh, uh, still out there, still doing okay. Maybe it's uh, set up as a franchise across the country, but there's uh, there's this place called Teppanyaki that's uh, not far here from our office, and it's okay, but it's not great. There's another one I've been going to for 20 years called Bonsai in in uh, southern Salt Lake in a little suburb called Sandy, and this guy just has phenomenal food service show everything on another level. And because he delivers so much value, he doesn't even market. He hasn't marketed in over a decade. And people just come in because his food, his team, everything is so good. And that's the type of opportunity that's out there in the American dream is to create something of value, whether it's a product or a service, from an area of expertise, do it in a way that's unique and better than anyone else, and then build that credibility so that word of mouth spreads your business. And now once you have money come in, and there's a lot of people that do this, right? They start a business or they are doing a commission job and they start increasing their income. But then the other, the next mistake they make is they keep the their, their lifestyle continues to increase and they never actually get ahead. The American dream is to increase your income. It's kind of like this. Step one, become an expert. Step two, increase your income because you're delivering so much value. And so you increase your income from 50 to 100 to 200 to 300,000, 500,000 million. You start increasing that income, but you don't increase, increase the lifestyle. You, try, you maybe increase it a little bit, but you try to keep it uh, you know, pretty level. Maybe you take an extra couple vacations a year with your family somewhere awesome great, but you save money not to save money so you can be like, uh, oh, I saved money. No, you save money to invest. And you invest it in something that earns cash, right? If I buy a stock, unless it's a dividend stock, which those don't pay out very much, then it doesn't provide income. You want to buy something that gives you income on a monthly basis and increases in value. Typically, that's real estate or it's a business or some opportunity where it generates income and cash flow passively without too much of your time. And then it grows beyond that. If you can do that, then you're going to be in excellent, excellent shape. I'm going to talk about Michael Jordan's book, his biography here in a few minutes. And an example of this is he bought a majority share in the Charlotte Bobcats. And I think they then became, they went back to being the Charlotte Hornets, I want to say. Does that sound right? I think so. So he bought the, that NBA team in the state where he was born in North Carolina for like $175 million that he put in, and the, the total purchase price was two seventy five, dollars and now he's selling it for $3 billion, and it also made him income every year. So he's making income on it, and it's increasing in value. That's the ultimate win of where you want your money to be going and expanding. You do that, my friends, you can live the American dream and 
in spite of what you hear out there, the American dream is more alive than ever. And that's a perfect transition into our mindset segment. So we just uh, completed the money segment that, hey, the American dream is alive and well. Here's how you live that American dream. Here's how it's, you know, transitioned and metamorphosized over the last, uh, last few hundred years here in America. The mindset portion is understanding what immigrants understand. And it's interesting that immigrants have a better understanding of the American dream than anyone else. And here's what's all you have to ask yourself. When I lived in South America for two years, because I did, uh, did a church mission just like my son's doing in Santos, Brazil right now. And when you live in another country for two years, you start to realize a few things. Number one, your quality of life and the comforts and the technologies and the things that you take for granted, the places you can eat, the opportunities for recreation and health and so many fun things that you can do in America are not available nearly as much across most parts of the planet. Uh, here and there, it's, it's pretty good in a lot of parts of Europe. And, and maybe, and I would say Japan and South Korea, and you start going beyond Europe, South Korea, Japan, and things start to go downhill very, very quickly. And the pollution, the opportunities, the poverty that exists across the rest of the, the world is tremendous. And when you live there, you come back to the United States and you kiss the ground when you land in the United States because you are very grateful to be back here on this soil. And what makes this soil here so unique isn't, you know, the its ability to create amazing uh, gardening. I mean, obviously, there's a, some great farmland here in the U.S., but what really makes the United States dynamic is our government structure, which does provide more freedom. Now, obviously, the last few years, there's been some controversy about some of the oh, you know, overreach of government, but the bottom line is it's still the best opportunity for you to be able to come in to this country and absolutely transform your life. And what's interesting is I was watching a, a video on YouTube just the other day, and it talked about which race in the United States is the most successful financially race in the U.S. And I would say this race of people uh, this uh, nationality understands the American dream better than most Americans, and that is Indian Americans. Those who were born in the country of India and come to the United States are dynamic entrepreneurs. I've seen them on podcasts. I've seen them you know, build $100 million companies, billion-dollar companies, and they can barely speak English, and yet they'll create a great product service technology, build a team, bring in people who can do stuff that they can, and then they'll exit that company for $100 million. There's something incredible about uh, American Indians, not Native Americans, but those who actually come from India and then come to the U.S., they understand this American dream. So here's, what, here's some data for you. In the U.S., 13.7% of the population is foreign-born. Maybe that will continue to grow because we're not having enough babies to actually replace our population in the U.S. So we have to do it through immigration unless some of y'all, you know, pull your head out and start having more babies. But I know it's hard. It's hard. It's hard for a lot of different reasons, right? 
But the bottom line is immigrants represent 20% of self-employed business owners, and yet they're only 13% of the population, and they're 25% of startup founders, and over half of the billion-dollar companies in our country that are called unicorns, those are started and owned by foreign-born entrepreneurs. Case in point, where's Elon Musk from? He's not born and raised in the U.S. Yes, he's a U.S. citizen. Yes, he is the American dream. But he learned about the American dream reading magazines in South Africa. And this is during the apartheid. Like, it was a tough time in the in the 70s, 80s there. And then he came to, the, came to Canada and then eventually the U.S. And so people across the world, where are they going to live you know, some dream, some dream of a better life. Well, they're not going to China, are they? Nope, they're not going to China. They're definitely not going to Russia. Nope, not going to Russia. They are going to America because that's where the American dream is alive and well, and they know that, and that's why they still flock to the greatest country in the history of the world, where you have the freedom to try, the freedom to fail, and that, that I think is really important too. In a lot of these countries, if you start a business and it doesn't work out and you have to file for bankruptcy, well, guess what happens? You go to jail. You lose everything, go to jail in a lot of these other countries. But the founding fathers of America put something special together. They put together bankruptcy laws where, yeah, you're going to lose any assets you might have up to a certain uh, point, but you can start over. You can start over. You don't have to go to jail as long as you don't do anything illegal, and you can do it again. And as Mark Cuban says, you only have to be right in business once, which is absolutely remarkable. And so these immigrants come here from all these different countries, especially from India, uh, especially from different countries in Europe. I'll see wonderful people here from uh, developing nations in Africa, and they just, they have the American dream. They just get it. I remember we were in Orlando a few years ago going to Disney World for the first time. Great time with our kids. They were a little bit younger, and so we're, we're there. And a lot of the Uber drivers, for some reason, we could not, for the life of us, we had paid to rent a van, and then they gave it away to someone else, and there were no vans in the entire city of Orlando. This was just right after the pandemic was slowing down a little bit. Things were opening up in Florida, and so you couldn't even rent a van. It was super unfortunate. But, hey, so we Ubered everywhere, right? And, and so as we're Ubering everywhere there, uh, all these Uber drivers are from Venezuela or Colombia, all these different places where they know about the American dream. And this guy was a business owner, clothing business owner in uh, Venezuela. And he told me the story about how one day these uh, kind of crooked government police guys basically just took him hostage and said, we want all the money out of your bank account. We need 20 grand now. Or we're going to kill you and your kids and your wife. And, and so he went and he got that and he got shot three times from him. And eventually, he and his wife and kids were able to escape Venezuela and come to the U.S. And I tell you what, they every day they wake up with a smile on their face. He tells everybody about it, and he's being entrepreneurial, and he's driving Uber, and he's creating his own little businesses. And he sent his two boys, I want to say, to uh, uh, college. They got uh, scholarships because they understand the opportunity here, and they're busting their butt to get it because... These opportunities don't exist in Venezuela. 
you're screwed in Venezuela unless you're part of the you know two two percent uh, ruling class that uh, is part of their communistic you know autocratic regime where basically they just uh, kill everybody and take all their money and that's pretty much how they live there in Venezuela horrible way to live and there's so many countries like this so immigrants have something special and it always frustrates me to see so many of our our people I mean we're born here in the US and we don't get it I always tell my kids every year I want them to I try to make them sit down and watch the Patriot uh, with Mel Gibson great great kick-ass uh, July 4th movie and it just shows you what People had to sacrifice during the Revolutionary War, and they lost family members in that show. I mean, he, spoiler alert, I mean, he loses some of his kids to that Revolutionary War, and he keeps on fighting for freedom, and that's what it took to get freedom. So great, uh, great point there. It's our mindset section about why immigrants understand entrepreneurship, the American dream, better than most of us do. And uh, if we want to you know, succeed at their level, we should incorporate that same mindset. All right, so earlier this week on Monday, a new movie came out. It's called The Sound of Freedom. This is a Jim Caviezel movie. Jim Caviezel was in The Count of Monte Cristo, one of the all-time great movies. If you haven't seen it, I highly recommend it. And uh, it's kind of a symbolic, uh, symbolic movie for my life. Anyway, Jim was also in The Passion of the Christ, directed by Mel Gibson, and he's a fantastic actor. And so there's this guy named Tim Ballard. He has a bunch of kids, and he worked in the CIA for a while. And Tim was part of a department of the CIA. I think actually it was Homeland Security, and he was in charge of stopping uh, the pedophiles out there from, you know, child porn, all that dirty crap out there. And so he would shut these guys down and bring them in, but they were, they would, the kids would still be out there. And so he would stop, he stopped like a 284 of these, uh, these sicko, you know, child pedophilia, child porn guys out there that were, that were involved in these businesses, but he never actually saved any of the kids. And he found out that a lot of these kids were being kidnapped in places like Colombia and Central America, Honduras, and some other countries down there that are very unstable. And so the kids would just be literally ripped off the street when no one's looking, a little kid, and they'd never see him again. And so it tells this amazing story of those kids, two, two kids in particular, uh, a brother and a sister, super, super young, super cute kids in this movie. And it just shows the journey that he goes on where he's going to quit his job. He's going to risk everything, his life, everything to put a stop and actually save these kids. And so their big ask, and you know what's cool? Like they've got a chance to go viral with this movie. And it's going to actually happen if all of us share it. Because one of the 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 worst kept secrets out there in in the in our world right now is that there is human trafficking going on at record levels, and a lot of that human trafficking is children, and those children are forced into sex trades and human trafficking and just the worst of the worst of the worst people that they're dealing with, and they're ruining their young lives, and very. Very few people, I think, know about it, and even fewer people actually take action to do something about it. 
And like anything else, when you you know, make it wider known that these are actual issues out there affecting the children of the world. And, and this happens This happens a lot in our country, too. Kids are kidnapped. Kids are, um, you know, not taken care of by, by bad parents or parents who are trying their best but just not getting the job done. And they're kidnapped and they're forced in, into human trafficking and, and sex uh, trafficking and so forth. And so this movie, the whole point of it, and it was really cool at the end of it as the credits are going. It said, hey, special message is coming in two minutes. And they did everything right. Just like when, uh, you know, in a couple of days I'm going to be in an event. I'm going to be talking about uh, funding and how easy it is to qualify for financing, to create your dream business and fuel your dreams. And so I'll have a QR code on my slide and everyone will take their phone out and be able to scan that QR code and apply for funding within a few seconds. And the same exact thing is going to happen uh, at the end of this Sound of Freedom movie that you're going to hopefully go to, where you're going to be able to scan the QR code and share this movie with others. And in fact, you're even going to be able to buy uh, tickets. So we, you know, there's an opportunity where you can, you know, contribute to this uh, movement and buy a bunch of free tickets for people who want to go and maybe you know, if money's tight. And so it's this whole viral message, and it's all about getting out there to help support these kids and to put these bastards in jail. I mean, it's it's that simple to stop these these uh, these human trafficking and and just destroying the lives of children across the world. So, my uh, invitation to you: go watch the Sound of Freedom film. It's out in theaters. It's actually an outstanding movie, and then pay it forward. Share this message with others so that they can, you know, become more aware of it. And the more we become aware of it, the more we can actually, you know, implement change. And what's always baffling to me is you've got me, the mainstream media and all these so-called experts, and they literally made it really difficult for this movie to come out. And and then they try to, you know, just make up negative smear stories about the people involved in this this charitable organization, I just don't get it. I just don't get why people spend their time trying to take down great people and those great organizations that are trying to make the world a better place and stop this. And I and maybe they're involved. Maybe they're involved. I mean, what what else can you say? So, so there's uh, our freedom segment and our final segment here is the sports segment. Why you should read Michael Jordan's biography. I'm a firm believer, you know, as, as someone who, who's gone from bankruptcy to building, you know, two eight-figure businesses and, you know, also being fortunate to be involved with, uh, with probably another uh, nine or ten very profitable businesses that we've got, everything from real estate to um, home improvement, different businesses out there. And these principles of success start with the right mindset. And so one of the big questions that I always ask is, what is the mindset? What makes someone who's a champion athlete, uh, what makes them a champion? What makes them tick? Because there's a lot of great athletes with great talent out there. But if you don't have the great work ethic, the great mindset, the killer instinct, then the great talent doesn't actually do much for you, right? It'll only get you so far. Maybe it'll get you to the NBA. Lots of guys have gotten to the NBA with similar talent to Michael Jordan, and very few have you know, gotten anywhere near his level of success. The only one I put up there at the top is maybe Kobe Bryant, and then after that I guess you got to put LeBron in there. But 
These guys had have incredible work ethic, mindset, skill set. And so for Michael Jordan, this might be the most competitive person to have ever lived on the planet. Just loves to compete and will do anything. Even after he had won multiple championships, he would have to create different uh, uh, slights or uh, imagine that people were insulting him or talking crap, which in a lot of cases they actually were, and that would drive him and fuel him. And so what is it that made Michael Jordan such an incredible champion and the greatest basketball player of all time? Yes, he had this incredible skill set. A lot of people don't know from, you know, in between his uh, sophomore and junior year, he was literally praying every day to grow from five foot seven to six foot three, which he did. Uh, his family is not a tall family. His dad was short. His uh, brothers, uh, the tallest one was like five, seven, five, eight. He like, he actually comes from a short family. His grandpa was short. And yet he somehow magically was able to, to literally grow quite a bit from his sophomore to junior year from five foot seven to six foot three. And then he grew a few more inches as he got into college up to six, six, but it wasn't his height. And he was probably the most explosive, maybe the most, one of the most explosive uh, vertical leapers in the history of basketball and sports. He ran a, a very fast four. He's a great athlete and he worked hard to become a great shooter and all the moves, but what really made him great was his competitive drive. He wanted to win at everything. If he wasn't playing basketball trying to win that, he was doing card games. He was doing something that involved competition. Uh, there was ping pong. He, he, he started to compete in ping Anything that he could compete at, golf. Absolutely loved golf. He would like go play a playoff game, an NBA Finals game, then go golf literally like 45 holes and then go to you know the NBA Finals game later that you know that that next day, and so he would do this. T- he was just kind of insane like that. But it was that competitive drive and and, and skill set that he developed. And then he was really good, I think, at creating. He would he would have these haters, and he they weren't even that bad of haters, but he would put them up there as something to drive him. One of his haters was you know the the. The player and and the coaches involved in him not making the varsity team as a sophomore. Now, he still was on the JV team, so let's not get carried away here, but he didn't make the varsity team as a sophomore, did as a junior, worked his butt off. So that was always something driving him. Another thing was he made it to uh, North Carolina, one of the great uh, college basketball programs in the country. And then there were certain things that he would feel slighted at, and, and he would remember those. When he made it the NBA, people would say he would never win an NBA championship. So he was always remembering all these people that did him wrong, the haters that he would have, and that drove him. So I'd say my takeaways from Michael Jordan's biography book, number one, his competitive drive to always compete, to always get better, to never be satisfied, even when he did win multiple championships, and the fact that part of that drive was finding the haters, remembering those, keeping those front and center, and then letting that drive him over and over again. One of the reasons I feel like Steve Jobs became such a successful entrepreneur is he was adopted. Like his biological parents gave him up for adoption, and they gave him up to two of the best people ever that his parents that actually raised him were amazing people in terms of how they loved and cared for him. But that drove him all the time. Well, watch this. You want to give me up for adoption? Watch who I'm going to become. And so I think those are interesting 
you know, attributes that successful people and champions have. And that, my friends, is our sports segment. So if you liked the episode, give us a thumbs up, share it with others. If you have questions, comments, put it in there, and we will answer those. If you have ideas for future episodes, we are happy to create those for you. But the bottom line is this. The American dream is alive and well. You can live it. It's up to you to decide who you want to become. And then there's so many different programs, tools, assets, videos on YouTube, great entrepreneurs that you can follow and learn from. It's never been easier to become the successful you know, entrepreneur, live the American dream that you want to live than it is today. Are there challenges? Absolutely. Will there always be challenges? You bet. But the opportunity is alive and well if you incorporate the mindset that a lot of immigrants have as they you know, pursue the American dream and do it at all costs with amazing energy, more so than most actual native-born Americans do. Your odds for success go up. And if you have not seen the Sound of Freedom movie, go see it, support that. It's an amazing organization that they're behind, that they're trying to help these kids out across the world. And I also recommend listening to Michael Jordan's biography. That's it, guys. Have a wonderful, wonderful, you know, After July 4th week, make sure you're taking all the action to make your dreams into reality. We'll see you next time on the Go Figure Podcast. Thank you for joining us on the Go Figure Podcast. If you learned something that will help your business or family, take 30 seconds and give us a five-star. If we added value to your day, then share the show with someone who wants to get their money right and be sure to subscribe to the Seven Figures Funding YouTube channel. If you're a business owner and a parent committed to getting your money right for your family, then check out the MyFigures.com money app with a free 30-day trial to manage your money, track your net worth, and build a profit-first business through our fintech platform. God bless, and we'll see you next time on the Go Figure Podcast.